This is First Baptist Church for Sunday, February 6th, 2022. Yeah. Pardon my back, please. It, oh, it's on, Tony. Thank you. It's on. And then I can clip this, can't I? You live and learn in life. <laughs> uh, you'll find out if you try me, all right? <laughs> you know, I, I seek the Lord for what we do here. And um, as I was working through Acts chapters 1 through 3 or 4, I knew in my heart it wasn't a, a, an entire run through the entirety of Acts, at least not for the season. And as I was seeking the Lord, yesterday morning, I was uh, folding laundry. No one folds like I do, folks. No one. Just have to say that. And I was listening to a preacher, <coughs> uh, Dr. Alex Rollins, from Westgate Chapel in Edmonton, Washington, right outside of Seattle. And he was drawing upon this text. And it's funny because way down deep, the text was in me already. And as the day progressed, I came to believe or to understand that what God has for us, sermonically, at least for a season, would be a look at 1 Thessalonians. And the more I reflected upon this and brooded upon it, I came to realize something, that what Paul and the believers at Thessalonica were experiencing and confronting, uh, very similar to our own world today. And that just clinched it, that this is what God has for us, sermonically, at least for the next five chapters worth of, of, of Scripture. So I, I want to read, please, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. By the way, our guest speaker at our Christmas prayer dinner, Lorenzo Biggs, has read this book for us, for Voices of Philadelphia. Now those letters of Paul and of Peter and, and of John, the smaller letters, they're not going to get up and running right now. We're, we're trying to target just for marketing purpose, the bigger names, you know. But Lorenzo is widely known. It's just not a household name. But he did a lovely reading of First Thessalonians. Or as Chris Davis, our ordination candidate who preached here last summer and actually is sharing the word this afternoon for Pastor Sa's monthly special, as Chris Davis would say, because he's our reader for the second of the two letters, Thessalonians. He'll love it if you tell him that. He said, Brad, I could say this word five times backwards blindfolded until you asked me to record it for, for the project. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually... Remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. 
in our Lord Jesus Christ. For, for Dennis, it's a complimentary patience, progress, and peace, patience, progress. Peace, patience, progress. For me, it's been strength, wisdom, courage. For Paul to the Thessalonians, it's in one way, shape, or form faith, hope, and love. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. I will ask my dear wife Peggy to pray for the message. Gracious Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you, Lord God, that we can look back and see what you brought all your people through, Lord God, and what you're going to bring us through. We thank you for your holy word. I pray your anointing be upon Grady as he shares your word, Lord, and that you will open the ears of the listeners and the hearts, our hearts, Lord God, that your word will accomplish what you sent it to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for saying Amen. The other day on the, I don't know who heard the radio yesterday, anybody? One, just one? Just one? <laughs> Two? <laughs> okay, three. My dear friend Christine Del Paggio was my guest. If you were here for the prayer dinner, she and her lovely aunt sat over by the elevator. Christine's in the wheelchair. Or she came on the radio with me yesterday and she shared her story. I would encourage you to listen. It's extraordinary. Uh, in fact, I may not be done with her, with her testimony. And uh, she was sharing of how she had undergone the accident off the coast of Africa and uh, left quadriplegic. Is that what you told me she was? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I had asked her though and she said there's another word before quadriplegic. It, I, I'll have to ask her again. And she was sharing of her return to the States and of her time at the McGee Rehab. She shared of her coming to live with her lovely aunt on the other side of Fayette Street on 4th Ave and how she discovered our church. And as she was sharing of her aunt, I let her have her say. And then right at the end of the segment, I mean, what a way to end. I said, Christine, may I gently chastise and correct you. And there was warmth in my voice, so it would have been well understood that there was something sweet coming. 
I said, your aunt is a woman of uncommon worth. You know that better than any of us. A dear, dear lady who received Christine into her home. And I said, but don't you think after 29 years, she's worthy of a promotion from aunt to aunt? So Peggy, on behalf of the entire Welsh family that I've known, thank you for saying amen and not amen. <laughs> okay. Now, this is a splendid text, and this first chapter breaks down so beautifully into simple, clear parts. I mean, it's a preacher's dream. When you preach from the Gospels, you'd be surprised, folks, how difficult those texts of Scripture are. They're narratives. And for the preacher, at least for me, they're not easy. Which is why Easter sermons are not easy for many preachers. Or Christmas Eve, Christmas morning messages. Everything becomes so trite and cliched. You know, like, for God so loved the world. Magnificent text, but it becomes trite and cliched if we're not careful. With 1 Thessalonians, everything is so neatly expressed. So I, I, I feel like I'm having another day off today with this text. Paul, Silas, but a productive one. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A dictum for you to follow. Always remember who you are. The Thessalonians or the Thessalonians would need to remember who they were. They are the church of God, the Father, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the church of God before they're anything else. You know the Thessalonians come from uh, 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 Greece. Have you ever, I say this with affection, have you ever met Greeks? They're very proud to be Greek. Many of you may have seen that marvelous film from, what, 25 years ago? Uh, my, my, my big fat Greek wedding. You would have learned how proud Greeks are to be Greeks. The only people I know who are prouder still would be not Italians, but Sicilians. They let you know they're Sicilian, not Italian. Like Macedonians let you know they're Macedonian, not Greek. Like the Welsh let you know they're Welsh, not English. So you have a group of people who would have been by nature very proud. And even at this stage of the game, and our brother Wynn will know, Wynn is the one guy I have ever met in, in my life or ever will meet who will take on the philosopher Plato, all right? I don't have the guts to do that or the, 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 the knowledge. This guy takes on Plato. But the point I'm making is that the Greeks, even at this time, would have been very proud of their heritage. But for the Christians at Thessalonica, they are first and foremost the church of God the Father and of the Son Jesus Christ. You know, I've been abroad many times and I'll tell you right now, Americans who have had the great privilege of traveling can be ignorant, rude and vulgar abroad. They think the world is their playground. But when I went abroad, I went as a servant of Jesus Christ and I had to remember at every turn who I was. If you think we're something special as Americans, you go amongst Russians 
and flaunt your Americanisms at them. They're proud to be Russian. We are first and foremost Christians. You know, our dear friend Alberta, who's now how many years gone? Alberta loved being from Conshohocken. I mean, that was it, right? And I say this sweetly of her, but she was a Conshi girl. But we are first and foremost followers of Jesus Christ. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We belong to God. We identify first and foremost with Him. And then I want you to take a look, please, when it says grace and peace to you. You already have it, Dennis. You just have to appropriate it. That's the trick, right? But the grace and peace that the Apostle Paul extends to God's people. Understand what that is. I could give you definitions of grace and peace, but those, are, those become trite and cliched quickly. Those become exegetical tools that are all too often evangelical preachers use as a substitute for the Word of God. We always have to remember that there's the pure word and then there are our extrapolations of the word. Those extrapolations may be very sound and helpful, but they are still not the pure word, ever. I heard a, pre a, a, a professor once, and in so many other respects he was a highly laudable figure. He's written some books that have proven very helpful. But he said something in class one day that absolutely appalled me. And it didn't appall me because I, I wasn't, a, well, it didn't matter whether I was or was not a Calvinist. But what he said was, and I quote, and he had a very stentorian voice that he upgraded for the point. The gospel is Calvinism. And Calvinism is the gospel. Well, you may very well believe that the Calvinistic understanding of Scripture is the soundest of them all. That's your business. You may or may not agree with it. But even if, it's the, if, even if it is, it's, even if you believe it is, it's the closest approximate to. It's not the same thing as the pure Word of God that brings salvation to all men. We have to understand this. So I don't want to give you definitions this. I just don't feel like it. <laughs> All right, let me be honest. <laughs> when we read grace and peace to you, I want you to understand that for the Christian, grace and peace is our foundation. It's the ground upon which we walk. It's the air we breathe. Right out of the Brad Lacey playbook of breathe, blossom, and build, and pray for me, please. Because by year's end, I hope to be putting in your hands and making available my magnum opus. Breathe, blossom, and build. And by breathe, this is the thesis sentence. Breathe the beautiful fragrance of your heavenly fathers. Holy and saving love. Grace and peace is the, of God is the air we breathe. And also, please, the grace and peace of Christ are our purpose by way of sharing and our goal, Brother Dennis, by way of appropriating. Praise the Lord. 
And if you're going to be a person who seeks after grace, then you better be working towards becoming gracious. One thing that absolutely floored me last year, and I name no names publicly, but the church in Philadelphia, this is, like a, it's, it's tugging on me. The church in Philadelphia that is and most known for its grace-oriented theology, known all around the world, I might add, amongst evangelical Christians, was the least gracious in her response to me when I issued an overture concerning Voices of Philadelphia. The theology with which we here at First Baptist would take most exception to, namely Catholicism, and I'm not speaking as an anti-Catholic, you know me now, I love the, the Catholic Church on so many levels, but their theology would be, on some fronts, exclusive to ours. The leading Catholic Church in the city of Philadelphia, known all around the world, were the most graciously and humbly and in a Christ-like way beautifully disposed to the project. Now you go figure. The Word of God defies mere theological system and definition. I didn't say that we don't seek to discern or determine the truth. I didn't say that. I'm simply saying whatever we determine and discern, however approximately correct it may be, it is still not the pure word. And so we're always aspiring after the grace of Christ, always longing for and working towards the peace of Christ, always endeavoring to become embodiments of these qualities. It's a lifelong pursuit. And we, need, we can never ever forget that. Grace and peace are the air we breathe, the ground upon which we work, the goal and task of our lives. You know, I, 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 there are certain dimensions of Christian existence that I'm still struggling to attain. And my flesh and the Holy Spirit go mano mano. He's going to win the war. Unfortunately, our flesh can sometimes win the occasional battle. <laughs> okay? Keep in step with the Spirit of God is how Paul put it in Galatians. So I won't mention, well I have to mention them to say I won't mention Astaire and Rogers. I was watching the other day, I saw, I posted a video clip of the great scene from Singing in the Rain from 1952 with Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds and Donald O'Connor. There's a magnificent scene good, when they're singing Good Morning, Good Morning. It's, it's a beautiful scene. By the way, Debbie Reynolds never danced a day in her life before that film. Didn't tell Kelly that when she sought for the job. And I would also add Mitzi Gaynor, for you movie buffs, always said that Donald O'Connor was a better dancer than Gene Kelly, but that's just for movie buffs. But my point in mentioning this is, it's a magnificent dance sequence with, with singing, but it has to be synchronized. 
Their voices have to be synchronized. Their physical maneuverings must be synchronized. The looks in their faces have to be synchronized. They had to keep in step with one another in order to make what is considered by most to be the greatest musical of all time. For God's people to present the gospel in such a way that it gives credence to people out there in this increasingly secular and depraved world to take notice and to give pause and give consideration to. We have to be keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Not our traditions or our ecclesiologies or our instincts or what we want. The evangelical world has been corrupted by pastors and lay people pursuing what they want rather than what the Spirit of God would have them be and to do. Be mindful of who you are. You are children of the Most High God. Now with that being said, please, we always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now right out of the starting gate there's that nasty, obstructive, in my way, please why word? It's the word always. I can tell you something, friends. I've been here 33 years. I've learned a few things. There's a lot more to learn, but I've learned a few things. I've learned it as well at the Bible Society. The moment we cease to be grateful for every professing and ostensible Christian before us, the devil has a foothold. Now I didn't say we have to agree with people. I didn't say we don't have problems with people. I didn't say we don't have to confront the problems and therefore sometimes the people. I didn't say there aren't people who make life a nuisance for us. The Christian always has to look reality in the eye. In fact, when you get to the third section of my magnum opus, build or be built in his name uh, for his purpose and unto his glory, that whole section of the book doesn't give us job descriptions like serve the poor or, 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 or um, witness to the guy in the street. It deals with attributes of character, one of which is clarity. As Christians we have to look reality clearly in the eye and know with whom and with what we're dealing. That being said, it does not negate the Pauline dictum here that we ought to be grateful. It says we always thank God for all of you mentioning you, namely, i.e. parenthetically, all of you in our prayers. Even the people bugging us, even the people who are, yes, being disruptive, it doesn't mean we don't confront it. But I know how grateful I am to be back with all of you today.
And I look back and I think to myself, if the people, now I turn it around, if the people who had caused grief here had been thankful for me or for us, not only would they still be here, but my, what God could be doing with us all together. It works on all sides of the equation. You know, I will say this much. I'm, I'm, address, I'm, I'm being led into a project that's going to start slow. But I'm at the nexus with my work with the radio and with my work with the Bible Society. I'm getting to meet lots of people. And I'm discovering, I'm meeting people who historically, and it doesn't even have to entail uh, hostility or antagonism, but that simply chasms or, or yawning uh, abysses. So there's a, a chasm between churches in the urban areas of the city, the, the deep city, and suburban churches. They never meet. There's a chasm even when it's not grounded in any kind of overt hostile racism between white Christians and black Christians. Now there's been some amelioration of that over the years for which I praise God, but we just don't always meet. I understand. Well, I'll, I'll send you a text. Yeah, please, God bless you. Catholics and Protestants. I don't say we have to agree with one another on certain particulars. But there's a reason why the enemy, aka radical Muslims and radical Hindus and communist uh, authorities, target both of us. Because they see that we're all followers and carriers of the cross. I'm just getting started. And God is calling me into an initiative where slowly in baby steps we can bring some people together and we can get, start meeting and talking and who knows what the Spirit of God will do with that. Who knows? He does. We always thank God for all of you mentioning all of you in all of our prayers. We continually, so always and continuously, they work hand in hand, don't they? They may not be synonymous, but they are complementary. We continually remember before our God and Father, our Father. It breaks a mother's heart when there's dissension between or amongst her children. You know, right now, and I say this with respect, and I, I, I cast no aspersion on either side, but right now, there is a mild, what's the word, abrasion in relationship between my twin brother and me over politics. I don't think I'm the problem, and I've searched my soul on this, but that doesn't matter. And we'll get beyond it. It's a mild issue. We'll get, and God has raised up my brother-in-law's, my brother's sister-in-law. She has now reached out to Peggy and me. And I think God's already at work to try and help bridge this gap, although she's not overtly addressing that. So praise the Lord. We'll get beyond it. But what I'm getting at here, please, is that we, my brother is a, is a Christian. Someone from whom you are estranged, is he or she a Christian? If he or she is, we start praying in that vein. 
for unity to be restored. If he or she is not, we start praying that unity will be found in Christ through the conversion of that person. You know, when we're praying for people's bodily afflictions, by all means, pray away. Thank you. How many people were here, Betty, the day of my surgery? 21, I think. For seven hours, in and out? Seven hours! You had a prayer meeting in this room for me as I went through my cardiac surgery at the Mayo Clinic, and you were no doubt praying for Peggy as well. God bless you. But as we pray for the bodily afflictions of those within our orbit, are we comparably at prayer? Maybe God will use that bodily affliction to open one's heart and mind to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why are we just praying for them to get through a head cold when they have hell facing them? Pray for them to get through the, the head cold. We live life in the here and now. But pray for them. <laughs> To meet the grade by way of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Not when they confront the surgeon in the uh, uh, surgical theater, but when they confront the judge of all the earth one day. So we continually remember before our God and Father. Now here are these three particulars, and with these three particulars, I close. Because I need five minutes of your time to approve a budget, and I think that they're bringing the food at 11. And I'm hungry. Three things, please. We continually remember before our God and Father. Number one, your work produced by faith. So I need to ask you, friends, this is between you and God to answer. What work are you doing motivated by faith? It is all too common a refrain that we give assent to this statement. We all agree it's a wonderful thing. And thank God for the pastor that he does it. We're all called to a work. You are God's workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. You are God's workmanship. God's poem is actually a better translation of that. Now that isn't a plug for you to go and read my poems. All right? Most people are not poetically inclined. But if you're a Christian, you best be poetically inclined by way of the embodiment of God's poetry. We are God's workmanship or poem created in Christ Jesus. What? To do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now this doesn't mean that we're given license to put notches on our belt or have a blackboard up on the wall and you know every four digits you cross them out to make five. I always love that. God will keep track. But you know what the Bible says of you who are his servants doing his work, engaged in, in, in good, doing good, good deeds? You know what the Bible says? Because believe me, you'll get weary after a while. You'll wonder if it's worth it. You'll, 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 be, you'll be rattled because half the time people aren't grateful. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Bible says in Galatians, God is not unjust. He doesn't, he, he, he does not forget the work that you do for him. So you do it for him. He's grateful. <laughs> he remembers. He honors and rewards. Now, 
Number two, please. Your work produced by faith, your labor, and this is a complementary truth. It's this, the work and the labor are the same, as far as I'm concerned. Some, some exegete with his head up his rear end might try to separate the two, and maybe technically he's right. But the, the, the compliment here to me is if, the, if your work was produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. The agape of Christ. When you pursue someone you like or you lust after, you want something from them. When you are motivated by love, you want something of yourself to give to them. That's the difference. Now, there is in marriage, there is in fellowship, there is in family, there is in the workplace, there is meant to be a mutuality, and we don't dismiss that. But for the immediate purpose and point, love is what you give. Like and lust is what you want. And we're called to be a people not of like, nor of lust. And by lust we need not be relegated merely to the sexual endeavor. It's anything that motivates our passions and our desires. But to be motivated by the agape of Christ, that produces some beautiful work. Uh, and then number three, we read of your endurance in complement to the need for patience. Uh, and if you go to Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, one of the foundational verses of my existence, you can swap depending upon translation. It says, not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Because suffering produces, well, the, uh, the Revised Standard Version, which is where I first encountered this, produces perseverance. The NIV, which I know John's not as keen on, uh, it says... <laughs> It says perseverance, take your pick. Or if you read the Dennis Mitchell uh, uh, translation, uh, yet to be, you know, patent, uh, copywritten, righted, but patience would cover the bill as well. Your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I was very pleased when I walked into a conversation, I'm gonna close with this. I walked into a conversation that Peggy was having with Shannon yesterday and they were addressing, uh, they had just come back from visiting my brother-in-law at the rehab and their conversation, whether they realized it was, was going into a very intellectual, cerebral uh, uh, level. Ah, my ears, I've perked up. I want to hear what all this is about. Because after all, you know, I'm, even if I'm only third rate, I'm intellectually inclined. Didn't say I'm an intellect of massive proportion. I just said I'm intellectually inclined. And, you know, we were worried about Denny. And it's still to my mind, we'll see. But I, 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 I ent we entrust him to the Lord. He has good days, bad days, good days, bad moments. But they were talking about how if you have a sense of purpose, you can get through it. Well, the great Viktor Frankl, who wrote a classic little text called Man's Search for Meaning, I recommend it. Wynne recommends it. He was not a Christian man, he was a, a Jewish man. But we're all within the same ethic. Here comes the food. And, and uh, Frankl endured the travesties and horrors of the concentration camps of the Second World War, the Nazi uh, uh, 
hell that was inflicted upon so many. And he found, discovered while in those camps that if though the ones who survived were the ones who had a sense of purpose. Christians, you understand by way of experience that you must endure. You will not merely endure, but overcome to the extent that you are inspired by hope in Jesus Christ, because Christ is your purpose. And I love a line from Charles Dickens, from, you know, he wrote these massive tomes. All right, the, Jim and I, if, if, if Wynne knows the, the philosophical end, Jim and I know the literary. And, and I mean, Dickens' novels were like 800 pages a pop, all right? Maybe one or two weren't. Way deep, buried deep into Nicholas Nickleby, there's a word about hope. Hope is heaven's own gift to struggling mortals. It permeates or pervades all things like some subtle essence in the sky. Hope is more... Jim's beaming like a Christmas tree. When you weren't smiling when I quoted Franco. You gotta smile when I quote Franco. I, I know you won't when I quote Plato, but you gotta smile with Franco. He's smiling now. Jim's smiling over Dickens. I can start fresh. Hope is heaven, <laughs> heaven's own gift to struggling mortals, pervading all things like some subtle essence from the sky. It is more infectious than disease, more infectious than COVID, and it is more universal than death. And the hope that you and I have is in Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, who ascended into the heavens, who is making a place ready for us even as he readies to come back, who will come back, and he will judge the living and the dead. That's where your hope lies, that's where your purpose lies, that's where your peace lies, that's from whom you extract patience, endurance, and perseverance. That's why you pray even for your enemies. Praise the Lord. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to pray. We have a song, a benediction, and a vote. And then we have lunch. <laughs> Best of all. Gracious and Holy Father, how we thank you and how we praise you. And Lord, how we love and adore you. You have loved and do cherish us. So God our Father, in and through the Son Jesus Christ, and by way of the Holy Spirit, may we deepen in this experience of rapport and encounter with you. May we widen and deepen in our experience of fellowship, loving, honorable, pleasing, and, and, and productive fellowship. And gracious Father, that we will widen further still, that we will be embodiments of a witness that will attract and draw other men, women, and children to yourself. Hallelujah. We plead the blood of Jesus. We call upon the sanctifying work of your Spirit. 
And Father, to you we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We have a closing song, please, to sing.